Hey, Grace Church, uh, good to be with you today. Uh, if I've never met you, my name's Dan. I happen to be the campus pastor here at the Norton Campus of Grace Church. Love a chance to meet you. I wish we could be together in person, but love the fact that we can be together. And uh, a lot of you uh, are watching in your living room or maybe around the kitchen table. And some of you have sent pictures of uh, how you're experiencing this. And we love that, man. Send us pictures of kind of your makeshift auditorium around the TV. We'd love to see how you're experiencing this together. But we've been in this conversation called The Way of Change. And uh, we started this, it was a 90-day journey. When we started this, we said this. We said it's amazing how many things have changed over the last decade. That in 10 years' time, there's all these changes. Smartphones, Netflix, which I bet you're glad for now, right? All kinds of things have changed in the last 10 years. But I bet when we started this journey, we never thought how much change could take place in two weeks, right? And that's our new reality. Our new reality is this, is that there is a ton of things that are different in just two weeks' time, right? It's like two weeks ago, we literally were in here worshiping together. We had the opportunity to be together in this space. And it's amazing over a two-week period how much has changed, even daily sometimes. Right now, instead of the church being gathered, the church is scattered, right? I've shown you guys this before, the, the old little thing that says, here's the church, here's the steeple, look inside at all the people. And we said, that's actually not true. That The church is actually the people and the building that we gather in or don't gather in may or may not have a steeple. Right now, the church is scattered, right? We're not gathered. And so I just thought it'd be good in this conversation, the way of change, to look at the fact that there is change happening, and it's happening quickly. And the way we navigate this change has the ability to change us. And I thought it might be good for us, uh, maybe for a few minutes today as you're watching this, to lean in, to lean into a guy who wrote some books in the Bible. He's considered the wisest man to ever live apart from Jesus. His name's Solomon. He wrote three books. Uh, one of the books he wrote was named Ecclesiastes. And so my recommendation would be this. It's going to make more sense to you after you're 40, right? Because it sounds like a guy going through a midlife crisis, right? The book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, he also wrote the book of Song of Solomon, right? And that's probably best to be read after you get married, right? It's a love song, kind of a romantic. But then he wrote this book, the book of Proverbs. And that sounds an awful lot like a dad talking to his kid, to his son, He's just given him some, some wisdom, and he wants to teach him how to gain understanding. He wants him to have this uncommon sense about him. And there's one particular place where he says some things that I think give us the secret for how to, navigate, how to navigate this change that we're going through. If you have your Bibles, you might want to grab them and just turn to the book of Proverbs. You want to go to chapter 3. And in chapter 3, there's two verses that are pretty, pretty common. Maybe you've heard of them before. But those verses go like this. Here's what he says. He says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, the Lord, and he will make straight your paths. Very familiar passage, right? Some of you have heard that. Some of you maybe have plaques with that on there. But I think in here are some secrets for how we navigate what's going on right now, some things that will be helpful. Let's just take it phrase by phrase. The very first thing he says is this. He says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Literally, Solomon is saying, put the full weight of your life into the Lord, right? Trust him with all that you are. 
If you were taking notes there at home, here's the way I would write it down on a piece of paper. He is saying this, put your complete confidence in the Lord. That's what Solomon's saying. He's saying put your complete confidence in the Lord. That's the secret to peace, joy, satisfaction. He's saying this, that trust is not a technique you try. Trust always has an object, right? And that object is a person. He's saying trust the Lord, right? Lean into the Lord. Rely on the Lord. Have complete confidence in the Lord. Here's what I know. Here's the problem. For many of us, the problem is this. What he is saying, trust the Lord. The problem for some of us is that he's asking us to trust somebody we don't know that well. Just think about this for a second. If I just met you for the very first time, let's assume we just met, and I looked at you and said, hey, we're meeting the very first time, and within the first five minutes I said, give me your car keys, or give me your credit cards. Or if I said to you, better yet, right, let me watch your kids, and I looked at you and said, trust me, kind of like that. You might be kind of skeptical, right? Why? Because you don't know me. Here's what I know. The weight of our confidence is in direct proportion to what we know about the person we're putting our confidence in. For a lot of us, that's where our struggle is. For a lot of us, our struggle is when he says trust in the Lord, we're like, man, I don't know, I don't know if I can trust in the Lord because I really don't know him that well. And for some of you sitting there in your living room, in your kitchen, in the coffee shop, you're not even sure what God thinks about you. Like you might be sitting there saying, trust in the Lord. I don't know how well I know him and I'm not sure what he thinks about me. And that's why Solomon says, you can trust him. Put your full confidence in him because you can be confident of some things as you sit there today and as you put your confidence in the Lord. I think Solomon would want you to know this. First, I can be confident of the Lord's unfailing love for me. You ought to write that down somewhere. I can be confident. Put your confidence in him because I can be confident that his love for me is unfailing. It's perfect. It's demonstrated. That God demonstrated how much he loves us, right? He demonstrated it by sending Jesus to die for us. And Solomon says, trust him. Put your full confidence in him because you can be confident that he loves you and his love is unfailing. Now, here's what's interesting to me. What's interesting to me is this, how did Solomon know that? How did Solomon know that God's love is unfailing? Now lean in, this is how he knew. He knew it because that's what his daddy taught him. Because his daddy wrote some parts of the Bible as well. And in the book of Psalms, his dad has some interesting things that he said. And you almost can see Solomon leaning in and listening as his daddy writes. Psalm 13, 5 David says this, but I trust in your, your unfailing love. Psalm 36, 5 and then verse 7 says, Your love, O Lord, the Lord that Solomon is saying trust in, your love reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. How priceless is your unfailing love. God's love for us will not disappoint. If you're wondering, what does God think of me? His love for you is unfailing. Some of us aren't even sure if God likes us, and God wants you to know this, that he loves you. You might be sitting there saying, but you don't know what I've done, and you're right. You don't know who I am. You're right, but he does, and he loves you. And there's something about that that brings confidence. There's a guy named Tim Keller. I love what he says. 
He says this, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved, that's all of our greatest fear. But to be fully known, like God knows us, truly loved, that's a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything. Then look at this. Considering what we're going through right now, right? It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty, that seems appropriate right now, that life can throw at us. I can be confident of his unfailing love for me. I think Solomon doesn't want to stop there. I think he wants us to know this. I can be confident that the Lord's not going to leave me. You ought to write that down. Isn't there something about being confident that, that he's not going to leave us that, that, that causes us to want to trust him and put our confidence in him? Trust and security go together, right? I want to know the person that I'm trusting is going to be there through thick and thin. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I lived in Pennsylvania, and my brother's three years older than me. And I love my brother, right? And we'd hang out together and and I thought if I was with my brother, right, nobody could touch me, nobody could hurt me, right? So my brother and I were hanging out with some of his friends, and we were, it was the winter time, and we were out in front of the church where my dad was a pastor. We were between these two big pine trees, and we kind of had this little ritual we did, and I'm not recommending it, and if you're a parent and your kids are watching, you can mute this right now. But we used to go out there between these two pine trees and throw snowballs at the traffic that was going by on the road. And we did this all the time, right? And we'd hit these big trucks, and it was not a safe thing, it wasn't a good thing, but we would do it all the time. And when I was with my brother and his friends, I felt really like a lot of confidence, right? One night, I remember we threw these snowballs, and we had something happen that had never happened before. The car slammed on its brakes, and all four doors opened up. And it felt like about 52 young adults came out of that car. And they were mad. And they started running after us. I thought, no problem. My brother's here. I turned around. And my brother and his friends were gone. I had lost all confidence, right? They took off. You see, here's what I know. That, that there's something that happens when you turn around and the person that you're putting your trust in, they're there through thick and thin. I love the way Joshua uh, chapter 1 says it in the New Living Translation. It says, this is my command, be strong and courageous. You don't need to be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Look what he says, for the Lord. Which Lord? The Lord Solomon says, trust in the Lord. That Lord, the Lord your God, he's going to be with you wherever you go. You can count on the fact the Lord's going to be with you. He's not going anywhere. You can put your complete confidence in him. I think also, I think Solomon wants you to know this. I can be confident that the Lord's not going to change. Can't that kind of ruin your confidence in a relationship? People change, don't they? People change. Sometimes when you have a relationship and, and you kind of meet up with that person, you're not sure what kind of mood they're going to be in. You ever been around somebody's mood? Don't look at them, but been around somebody's moody, right? And they can kind of cause you to walk on eggshells you know what you can know about the lord he promises he's never going to change look what malachi says malachi 3 6 says this i the lord which lord the lord solomon says trust do not change what's solomon saying you can put your complete confidence in the lord you know why because he's always this is worth writing down he's always going to act like god you can count he's always going to be compassionate, 
faithful. He's always going to do the right thing. That he is not reactive. He is always, I can count on the fact he's always going to keep his promises. He's always going to do the right thing. He does not change. I can put my confidence in him. I love this. I think Solomon wants us to know this. I can put my confidence in him because I can be confident the Lord sees what I do not see. He has a view that I don't have. Right? Here's the way it says it in Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2. Lord, the Lord Solomon says, trust him. You've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. What's he saying? He's saying God has an eternal perspective, that he sees what we don't see. I think it was C.S. Lewis used this example uh, of being a little kid and watching a parade through a knothole in a fence. If you're a little kid and you're watching a parade through a knothole in the fence, you're seeing what's right in front of you. You can't see what's coming next. You can't see what went before. And so you're watching the parade one event at a time. And he said, watching that parade through the knothole as a kid is a lot like the way that we perceive life. And yet we have a father who sees over the fence. And he can see the whole thing as it takes place. I don't know about you, but that's pretty encouraging as we go through what we're going through right now. Right? We don't know. We don't know what's coming behind. We don't know. But we know the one who does know. He sees what I don't see. Isn't that all you parents, all you parents that, that are watching this, isn't that what you want your kids to hear from you? You look at him and say, trust me. Why? Because I've seen some things that you haven't seen. I know some things you don't know. Right? So you're saying, I want you to have confidence in what I'm saying to you. Right? Last thing I think is this, I can put my full confidence in the Lord because I think what Solomon wants us to know is I can be confident that the Lord has a purpose for me and his plan is best. Look at what Psalm 33 says, but the plans of the Lord, the one Solomon saying trust, stand firm forever and the purposes of his heart throughout all generations. All he's saying is this, is that God has a plan, he has a purpose. Listen, I want to tell you this, God is not random. God is not reactive. and He's not haphazard. He's a designer and he has a purpose and he has a plan and his plan is best. Even if I don't quite understand how that plan is unfolding, which leads to the next part of Proverbs 3. You see what he says? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then look what he says. He says, do not what? Do not lean on your own understanding. He says, don't put the full weight of your confidence in what you understand. What's Solomon saying? You ought to write this down somewhere. Big, bold letters. Admit that you don't know everything. That's what he's saying. He said, if you and I could just be careful and admit that we don't know everything. That if we be careful not to lean the full confidence of our life on just what we understand. You know why? Because you <laughs> don't know everything. I don't know everything. Turn to whoever's watching this with you and say, I don't know everything. Go ahead and say it. Yeah, your wife said, can you say that again, right? Yeah, now look at them and say, you don't know everything either, right? Because we don't. There's something freeing about that, right? I don't know everything. Here's what I know. 
I, I know this, that my understanding can get clouded. There's two things, I think, that can kind of cloud our understanding. You ought to write these down. First is this. My feelings can distort my understanding. I can get these feelings of fear and anxiety, and I just feel like this is going to turn out bad, and I just feel like this is going to be a catastrophe. Here's what the book of Jeremiah says. It says this, The human heart is the most deceitful. It deceives me of all things. It's actually desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? You need to know this, is that my feelings, sometimes I just trust my feelings. I don't always trust my feelings because my feelings can deceive me. And sometimes it can distort my understanding. You know what else can kind of get in the way of our understanding? Our pride. My pride can pollute my understanding. In the book of Proverbs, a little later it says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Our pride will lead us to make decisions with the full weight of our confidence on our own understanding. And you know what happens? Sometimes we lean our ladder against the wrong wall. When we don't invite other people to share opinion, when we don't think we need others, our arrogance can pollute our understanding so what he's saying is, put your complete confidence in the Lord. Admit that you don't know everything, which leads to this question. Well, how do I know that I'm putting my complete confidence in the Lord, admitting that I don't know everything? I think that's the next part. Look what he says. He says, in all your ways, what? Acknowledge him. If you're taking notes, I'd write it down this way. Acknowledge that God is present. Just go ahead and write it down. Acknowledge that God is present. Here's what Solomon is saying. Make everyday decisions acknowledging that God is present with me. Every decision of every day, make those decisions aware, including, inviting, being influenced by the God who's present. The Lord is present. And what does that mean? I think it means several things. First is this, if I'm going to acknowledge the God who's present, I think, and I think this situation that we're in gives us an unusual opportunity. It's not convenient, we wouldn't have chosen it. But the first thing I think it means is this, I would begin to get to know the God who's with you. Get to know. If God is with us, then right now our way of life has been altered. Can we just say this, that sometimes we're so busy when life is normal that we don't Take the time to acknowledge the God who's present. Let, let's just admit it, right? And if you won't there, I'll admit it here. We can just get busy doing stuff because we got busy agendas, right? And now all of a sudden life has stopped. And it causes us to recognize things that we maybe didn't recognize before. For a lot of you, you, uh, you recognize that life is different. You know why? Because now you're at home more. There's not as much to do, and there's no sports, right? Give me an amen in that living room, right? I found this, uh, this tweet uh, from a uh, football coach. His name is Mike Leach. I love this, right? He said this. This is what he said. Day two without sports. Some of you can understand. But then he said this. Found a lady sitting on my couch. Apparently, she's my wife, he said. 
she seems really nice, right? Now, some of you are elbowing, right? You're elbowing your husband or whatever it might be. And we laugh, and that's funny. But the truth is, all he's saying is like, man, I was so busy watching sports, and this lady was here the whole time, and she's my wife. And sometimes that's life, right? Sometimes that's life. Sometimes we're so busy running the kids here, there, doing whatever, and God is present, and he so desperately wants us to cultivate a relationship with him. That's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about focusing on this end of the branch. He desperately wants us to cultivate a relationship. He's present. That's why we've been talking about routines and disciplines and habits and decisions. You know, I don't know what the next several days are going to look like for you, but what would it mean for you to begin cultivating, getting to know the God who's there? He's present. We're on this 90-day journey. I realize we didn't see this coming. But maybe this 90-day journey that we're on and the fact that this has happened in the middle of it will give you a chance to read stuff that you didn't read before, listen to stuff that you've never listened to before. Maybe for some of you, it's, maybe it's reading the Bible for the first time. Maybe it's opening up your Bible and saying, I'm going to read one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Maybe it's you saying, you know, I'm going to read the book of Psalms. I'm going to go through one chapter of Proverbs for the next month. Maybe it's your chance to say, God, my life is different right now, and it is for the next little while, but I'm going to take this chance to get to know you because I want to put my full confidence in you. I think that's what it means, get to know the God who's there with you. But I think there's a second thing it means. I think it means I'm going to follow the lead of the God who's present. Acknowledging the God that is present is somehow acknowledging that he's present and then following his lead. In fact, the word that he uses there, in some of your Bibles it says this, it's not acknowledge, but it's submit, surrender, just follow his lead. Well, how in the world in the middle of this situation do we follow his lead? Let me give you some suggestions. Can I give you some? First, I'd say this, don't panic in the fog of this present situation. You see, the way I've shared this here at our campus before, but the way I remember these verses, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, don't lean on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him. The way I remember them is this. I grew up in Pennsylvania. We learned to drive in Pennsylvania on the mountains. And a lot of times there weren't guardrails, right? And so the instructor would teach us that when the fog was thick in the mountains that what you did when you were driving is you dare not look too far ahead, you'll drive right off the mountain. But when the fog is thick, you dare not look too far ahead and you better not stop. You'll get run over. Well, what do you do? He said, pay attention to the road markings right in front of you and follow the road markings. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it's foggy right now. What's going to happen What's going to happen two weeks ahead, three weeks ahead? When's the economy? We look way ahead, and we dare not look too far ahead. We might fly off the mountain. Well, I think I'll just stop and wait. We dare not stop. But what we do is we put our full confidence in the Lord, one road marking at a time, right? We don't have to panic. We're going to trust that the one who put the road markings on the road knows exactly where we need to go. We're going to trust him. We're going to surrender to him. We're going to follow his lead. I think that plays out two ways in the middle of this situation. If I could just talk just candidly with you. What are two things that you could be doing right now? Because everybody's kind of quarantined and doing their thing in their house. 
I think there's two really easy things that Scripture talks about that Jesus was very, very interested in. First is this. I think the first way you follow his lead is listen. Listen to those who are in authority. Like Romans 13, book of Titus, all kinds of places where God's like, hey, one of the ways that you can show worship for me, acknowledge me, is listen to those who are in authority. It's part of what we're doing, right? We're simply listening to those who are in authority. Our governor is making recommendations. Our president is making recommendations. Maybe the mayor. We're just listening to those in authority. We want to be good citizens who simply are willing to submit our wishes and our will, right, for the sake of the greater good in our community. That's one way I think you can follow the lead of the God who's present. You know, you know another way? Simply be kind to and serve your neighbors. Jesus said this, most important commands, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they said, love your neighbor as yourself. For some of you, it might be picking up the phone and calling a neighbor that you don't talk to that much. Say, hey, you okay over there? It might be calling a widow down the street say, you need groceries? It's simply following the lead of the God who's present. Sometimes we make it so difficult, so mystical, right? And yet it's so tangible in times like this, kind of help us put feet under this, right? And simply being kind to my neighbor might be a, picking up groceries, might be sending them, and it might be making a phone call. But I'd be kind to and love your neighbor. You see, here's what I know. Here's how it ends. Here's how it ends. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Then he says, and he will make your paths straight. Here's how I want you to remember. At some point, and I don't know when it is, the fog lifts, and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that's where we were going. You see, when I think about that, I think about the fact that almost nine years ago, in this very room that I'm sitting, it looked a little different. Some of you might remember pictures like are beside me here. This room that I'm sitting in did not look like this. And we had a fire. And it was inconvenient. And we didn't plan it. We didn't schedule it. As we looked at that fire, we're like, God, what are you doing? It was foggy. The fog was thick. But he said, I want you to put your confidence in me. Don't lean on your own understanding. You might not understand what's going on. But acknowledge me. And I'll make your path straight. Well, I will tell you this, that looking back nine years later, that fire changed us as a church, that God did so many incredible things. We didn't think it at the time, but now looking back, the fog's living like, wow, look at what God's done. At some point, if we put our confidence in him, trust him, don't lean on our understanding, we'll look back at 2020 and say, wow, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was going on, but I'm going to trust you mile marker by mile marker i'm going to trust the lord now here's what i know i don't know a lot of your stories but you might be sitting there watching this and maybe maybe you started watching this and you didn't know what god thought about you he loves you he loves you so much that he died to have a relationship with you and right there in your living room in your kitchen in the coffee shop in your car you can talk to god and you can simply say, God, I believe you love me, that Jesus died for me, and I want to say yes. That's where trust begins. I want to say yes to Jesus as my Savior. 
yes to Jesus as the only one who can save me and forgive me of my sins, I want to become part of the family of God. That's the most important conversation you can have right now. He loves you. I can tell you that he loves you. If you had that conversation with the Lord, I'd love to hear from you. Email me. Email me. Call the office here. Some of you are like, I've said yes to Jesus. Well, Solomon, like a dad, is looking at us in the middle of this, said, things have changed. And the way you navigate change will change you. Trust in the Lord. Put your whole confidence in him with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Admit you don't know everything. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He's present. Get to know him. Follow his lead. And he will make your paths straight. Can I pray with you? God, I love you. I love the fact that you love us. We believe you don't change. We believe you keep your promises. You will always act like God. That your purposes and your plan are what is best. And that you see what we don't see. So we trust you. We trust you. Thank you for loving us with an unfailing love. I pray for my friends listening. God, I pray that you would help them to put the full weight of their confidence in you as we walk through this, and that as they do that, you would change us, that you would change them, that you would change me, and that you would draw us into deeper understanding and relationship with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.